Good to be with you um, again, and and yeah, we we do long as as um, Andrew mentioned before, we long to be together again, and we're looking really looking forward to these Advent services. So um, we trust that that will be um, a bit of a gift from God to to all of us as a community as we approach Christmas. So it's a very very special time, and and particularly a time that's good to be together. We had a house some years ago that had a um, um, central heating and an old gas heater that used to do that. And in the middle of winter, often we would adjust the thermostat to no avail. And and um, I knew what the problem was. I'd, I'd troop off out the back door, down the stairs, around under the house. And and um, um, what would happen um, is that the pilot light of the gas heater would often just blow out. Didn't didn't seem to matter what I did to sort of protect it from the wind somehow. Um, it would happen... Uh, uh, weekly or, or more often than not and, and so I'd have to go down and light that pilot light. Well it feels what well, seems um, like there is a, a, a pilot light in each of us and, and that is the Spirit of God. We know and we've been singing about God with us, God in us, that the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ is with us through his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God lives within us and he's a little bit like a pilot light igniting very good things in our lives and, and warming us up with the presence of God. The question is, is it possible for that pilot light, like our old gas heater, to go out in our lives? And our passage today actually has a, has a bit of a warning about that very thing. So we're at, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and these are Paul's finishing remarks to this, this young church there in Thessalonia. And uh, I'm going to read to you verses 16, 17, and 18. Again, just three verses, but dealing with this area of prophecy. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. I've got that wrong. That was last week's message. And a ripper of a message it was too. Can I commend to you verse 16, 17, and 18? However, this week, we're going to go to 19, verse 19. It's all highlighted in my Bible. Shall I read everything that was highlighted? We'd be here all day. Verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Again, just three verses. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Heavenly Father, as we delve into your word today, would your spirit, like a pilot light within us, would you ignite truth within both our heart and our mind? For your glory's sake, bring truth to bear upon each of us as individuals. Bring your truth to bear upon us as a church. Amen. Do not quench the spirit. That's an interesting interesting command, isn't it, to to not do that. And And literally, quench means to extinguish. Do not extinguish the spirit of God in your life. What a warning. We have other warnings in, in Scripture um, that, it is, that it is possible to resist the Holy Spirit, to rebel against the Holy Spirit, to lie to the Holy Spirit, to test the Holy Spirit, to grieve the Holy Spirit, insult the Holy Spirit. And then if you're a, a sensing kind of a, an increasing measure of offense to the person of the Holy Spirit, these last two quench the Holy Spirit and blaspheme the Holy Spirit are up there with, with the most significant ways to offend the Spirit of God in your life. 
And, and yes, Paul is, is actually saying to the Thessalonians here, it is actually possible to quench the work of the Holy Spirit in, in your life. Um, and, and of the many ways that that might happen, and we could think of obvious ones such as, you know, um, continual rebellion and sin, allowing sin to get a foothold in our life and so forth. They're kind of obvious ones, but here's one that you may not have thought of. And that's this. Do not quench the Spirit of God by treating prophecies with contempt. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Now, I wonder if you've ever thought about putting those two things together before. Um, if I know you, if I know most, most of our church, there's no way any of us would want to quench the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. Yet, we have to be warned, if it is a possibility, we want to know about it, don't we? And Paul is saying here, yet yeah, it can happen, and one way that it can happen is by treating prophecies with contempt. Um, so, uh, what do we know about prophecies here? Some people say that the word prophecy here is referring to the Old Testament prophecies. Um, because, of course, you know they, they wouldn't have had the New Testament prophecies. This is, ah, do not treat the Old Testament prophecies, particularly those that pertain to Jesus Christ and his coming, do not treat those with, with contempt. Um, and, and, and I would say, yes, absolutely. But to restrict it to just that would be to miss the point here. You know, for Paul, uh, the, the gift of prophecy in the New Testament is a very real, real thing. Um, uh, for instance, in Acts chapter 2, that's, uh, Peter preaches and, he, and he, he talks about the importance of the gift of prophecy being um, active within the church. And he, of course, is, he's quoting Joel to a prophecy, an Old Testament prophecy in itself, and saying that in the New Testament times, as the Spirit comes, he's actually going to, to gift many, many people. With that gift of prophecy and 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 dreams and and so forth, in Acts chapter eleven, Paul is in Antioch, and the prophet Agabus actually talks about prophesies about a famine that is going to affect Jerusalem or Judea, and so Paul and Barnabas are actually commissioned to take an offering down to the Jerusalem church. So so Paul understands the gift of prophecy in in the early church there. And as a result of that, he's actually taking an offering with Barnabas down to the Jerusalem church. He talks about it in Ephesians chapter 4, 11. He lists prophecy amongst some of the important leadership gifts uh, alongside the apostolic and the evangelistic, the shepherd and the teaching. Um, and then in 1 Corinthians 14, he gives some very practical uh, teaching on prophecy and actually commends it to the church. So, so no, Paul is very much aware of the gift and the role of prophecy in the New Testament church. And I believe, yes, it includes Old Testament prophecy, but it does include this New Testament um, gift to the, to the early church as well. Other people would say they acknowledge that, but, but remember, one difference between the church there in, in Thessalonian and, and our church today is that they didn't have the complete word of God. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the Gospels and the Epistles and so forth. You know, they couldn't sit around as a church and say, hey, everybody, let's turn to First Thessalonians. Oh, hang on. <laughs> That's not written yet. We're waiting for, for Timothy to, to arrive with that. You know, and, and therefore... Um, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, you know, certain uh, prophecies passing away in time. So they would say once the New Testament was locked in and the word of God, the canon of Scripture was locked in, prophecy as a gift passed away. Um, well, what would I say to that? I would say also in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that this would happen when um, when uh, completion has, has come. Um, 
um, and I would say in, in completion, particularly of, of, of love amongst, amongst Christians in the world, I would say, well, that hasn't come yet. And so therefore, I, I, I think it's really an argument from silence. Um, if the word of God is the final authority and there's no compelling mandate, there's no, no, no other scriptural reference to not prophesy, and in fact, the opposite, do not treat prophecies with contempt, and the word of God is the final authority, I'm going to go with that every time. I would say the word of God is clear. Prophecy is real. It's for today. Don't treat it with contempt. It's possible. If you do, you're going to quench the work of the, the spirit of God in your life. So in summary, here's two things and interesting things for the, for the Thessalonian church. The first one is here is this young church and young believers, and yet they are actively exercising the gift of prophecy. Interesting, huh? And then the second thing I would say um, is... Um, the fact that even in that situation, an unwise rejection of prophecy was a problem. It was already a problem. And that's what Paul is, is wanting to address. So what does he go on and say? He says, don't quench the, whole, uh, the, the spirit. Um, do not treat prophecies with contempt. But here's the important thing, but test them all. Test them all. So all prophecies should, should in fact be tested. We need to be discerning in this regard. We need to discern between good and bad right and wrong, sometimes even blessing and curse, um, we need to be discerning. Well, how do we do that? Well, can I suggest a very, very simple little little word? Um, in The Greek word agape means, means love. And can I said, suggest that one way to test a prophecy is, do you sense God's love? Do you sense that this is permeated with the love of God? Now, agape can be turned into an acrostic, and I think we're going to pop that up on the screen screen now and we, we we're there ready to go great amazing tech team here they're they're awesome so the a for agape the a is does it align with the word of god because the word of god is the final authority in in these matters uh g does it glorify god or does it bring attention to the person that's a good question to ask um then the next a is does it add hope does the hope of christ flood into your life when you receive this word or not. Important. Does it add hope? Um, P, is it packaged with the fruit of the Spirit? In other words, does the delivery of this come with mm, fruit that just does not seem to be that of the Holy Spirit? Be discerning about that. Um, and then E, does it ultimately edify and build up? Really important. If somebody does not feel edified, built up in themselves, or if it is not edifying and building up for the church, mm -hmm, I, I, I would be very, very cautious of that. Do you, agape, love, do you sense the love of God? Now, some um, might say, gee, Stuart, that's a bit harsh. I mean, that's a lot of tests. But let me say this. Really, the word of God in whatever form it comes, whether it comes through a, you know, a growth group, a Bible study teaching, whether it comes through preaching the word, whether it comes through prophecy, this is a good test. This is a really good test to apply. I want you to apply it to my preaching. I apply that test to my preaching. Does my, does my preaching do all of those things? Does it align with the word of God? Does it glorify God or is it bringing attention to me? Uh, does it add hope to people's lives? Is it packaged with the fruit of the Spirit? Is it, you know, um, is it edifying and, and building the congregation up? That's a, that's a good test every time I speak. And um, I, I want you to apply that to preaching. I want you to apply it to teaching. And I want you to apply it to prophecy. I think, I think you've got a good test there. So does it, 
Does it, do you sense the love of God through this, the word agape? So that's one way that you can be discerning. Of course, the other is to, to not feel that you've got to do this alone, but to, but to involve others in the discernment process as well. Um, leadership, uh, that's why we're here. If you receive a word and you're trying to discern whether it's from God or not, whether it's from a dream or from somebody else or what you sense scripture is saying to you, please, you know, grab a pastor. We love those conversations and ask us, I'm trying to discern something. Would you help me with it? And we would we would love to prayerfully, prayerfully do that, that with you. Sometimes your growth group is a, a wonderful opportunity to help in in um, uh, discernment as well. And of course, one of the ultimate tests of discernment is does the prophecy eventuate? Does it actually come true? And sometimes we've got to be realistic when, when these things do not come to pass and we need to, we need to understand what God is saying there. And sometimes, even if, if we've passed on a prophecy which does not come to pass, in all humility, we've just got to be willing to apologize and say, I'm sorry, I, I don't think I was right about that. And that's okay. The grace of God is, is big enough to cover that. And so if you are giving a prophecy or a prophetic word, um, can I suggest to do it humbly? You do it with open hands and, and just humbly offer it. It may or may not be taken, but that's not your responsibility. Um, and, um, and, and, and perhaps even remind people, but I want you to test this. Invite them to, to test it. And if you happen to get it wrong for some reason, apologize. Just, just, just be free to do that. Um, let love and, and grace cover all of this area. And if you're receiving a prophetic word from, from somebody, um, you know, perhaps this is a good wording to use to, to just say to that person, you know, in, in, in love, um, so that we can both grow together, are you open to me just testing this word that, that you're offering? And if a person says no, then I think you know what to do. And, and if they say yes, then do that. Test it and see, see what happens and, and make sure you follow up with that, that person. Let me give you a really practical example. This week on our team, Sky actually shared that she received um, a dream which she felt had a prophetic element to it, and she shared it with the team. and 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 she actually she's with the grade fives and sixes on a on another Zoom core at the minute, sort of like a, a kids church breakout room. Um, but she pre-recorded this for us. So have a listen to to this word that Sky gave to our team today, or this week rather. Hi everyone, Stu's asked me to share uh, about a dream that I had this week and um, so I woke up Wednesday morning and I woke up uh, after having a really vivid dream and in the dream I was dedicating another child at our church and I had people behind me and people in front of me, a similar scene to, to what we've had at the Vine Baptist before and this family uh, standing beside me with their fourth child a little daughter whose name was Hope and I remember waking up with the words of the prayer um, really vivid in my mind and um, it was I was feeling very passionate as I was praying um, and expressing um, the desire for us as a body to experience the hope um, that Jesus brings and it sounds like Bron might have a bit of an interpretation of that dream. I look forward to hearing it. Thanks, Skye. Um, I'm getting an echo, I don't know if you guys are, but um, what really struck me when Sky shared that was she said it was a family that would not be having another child. 
and so that kind of made her curious but I thought it's really interesting when we dedicate a child we're celebrating the birth of something but then the parents are committing to the raising and, and the nurture of that child and then probably the bit that really struck me was that we as a church we stand and we commit ourselves um, to that family and to that child to nurture and encourage them in the Lord. And I felt it was a real invitation to us as a church to commit ourselves, to kind of stand and say we agree to nurture hope in our church in the next season going forward. That was my thought. You can test it. Thanks. Thanks, Bron, and thanks, Sky, for that. I just want to give you that little example of how um, God used um, a prophetic word to encourage our, our team um, this week, how we received the word, we listened to it. It rang true in so many ways, and then Bron had an interpretation of what that meant and, and was able to share that. She, she um, was, was fairly discerning. And so, and so there's, there's the gift at, at work in a way that, you know, um, is helpful for you to see a, a great way I think for our for our church to continue to um, demonstrate this this particular gift of the body is in of and a very very obvious one is is in your growth groups a great little place to to learn to understand is is God speaking to me is this a word for somebody else to to learn to sit with it to pray into it and then to to offer it up in a in a very humble way one of the best books I've come along come across in this regard is Jack Deere's book, The uh, Beginner's Guide to the Gift of Prophecy. And uh, perhaps your growth group would be interested in looking at that in the new year. And that's a, that's a great little resource. And Joe Craig um, can, can help put you um, or connect you with that, that resource. And, and as I say, um, it seems to operate best in the church when it comes under submission to the, to the church's leadership. And the leadership are very, very happy to help you to discern um, in that regard. But Paul goes on. So firstly, he just talks about the need for prophecies to be tested. And then he tells us, he gives us two instructions. Having tested it, hold on to what is good. Hold on to, to what is good. I remember a number of years ago um, uh, when we were wondering, was God asking us as a church to, to purchase the Nyora Road property or not? And uh, God gave a very viv vivid picture to the leadership at that time um, about a about a beach a beachhead, which humanly speaking, there was a path across, but it was treacherous. And the best way to negotiate this was actually to allow God to take us in a in a boat, as it were, um, out away and around the beachhead. And at a time, we would actually even lose sight of it. We might even think that you know we were not to to cross this this particular beachhead and to come in on the other side. But it but this the um, church leadership at that time. Um, felt very, very strongly. It was a, it was a really important word for them, a guiding word for them, as we, as we looked at purchasing this property. And it was, um, I recall it very, very vividly. It was very helpful for us, because we really were looking to God to try and understand best, you know, what was He wanting us to do. I know um, some years ago, uh, personally, we as a family faced a very tricky family situation, and. And we received a number of prophetic words that were so helpful for our heart. Um, at times, I, I feel that a, a timely um, uh, prophetic word just um, permeated in the love of God has been one of those things that have just held me in ministry through, 
through good times and bad. And so the prophetic word can be actually um, a, a, a wonderful thing. So when, when you receive a word and it's good, hold on to it. God's given it to you for a reason. Hold on to it and let it encourage you. But then Paul goes on, he says, hold on to what is good and reject what is evil. Literally, what is evil in the, in the Greek, what is bad, what is hurtful, what um, is, is oppressive, anything that is aimed to harm you. And if you sense that that's the case, then you're told to very, very firmly reject it. In other words, re- refuse, refuse to allow it. Um, I've got a little bit of a... Um, an illustration for this. Imagine this is this is your life, um, a, a beautiful crystal. I think it's crystal. Oh yeah, a beautiful. This is your life, a beautiful crystal glass, and and God wants to pour good things into your life. Well, I've got here some some water, a jug of water, and and by all means, it's God in God's intent that you pour good things into your life. But if you were to to discern that perhaps. You know, something is coming your way and, and it's got a little bit of a, a root of bitterness in it and, and perhaps it's discoloured with, with deception and, and so forth. And then, and then perhaps, you know, what is being offered to you to pour into your life, ah, there's, even, there's even hurt and, and add a good dose of, of pride to that. And, and, and if that, whoa, well, didn't test that before, but okay. Anyway, thing is... Would you want to pour that into your life? Probably not. Probably not. Now, sometimes a person's life might not be like a, like a glass jug that you can see through. And so this is where you have to, you have to be discerning and you have to, have to understand, is this something that God would want poured into my life or not? And if there's just something that's a bit off about it, please, your life is too precious. Don't go allowing things to be poured into your life that actually might poison you. And that's what Paul is saying saying here. He is, he is wanting, your life is too precious, he's wanting you to only receive those things which are good and wholesome. Quite practically, sometimes uh, that might mean not opening certain attachments that people send to you. It might mean blocking certain messages that are coming to your phone. I've had to do that actually from, from time to time. Um, it might mean removing yourself from certain circles and, and relationships for a season because they're just a little bit off. Sometimes God, God um, would be leading you to do that. The ultimate objective here is to help protect you. You're too precious to allow bad things to be poured into your life. Be careful what others seek to pour into your life. So be discerning. In summary, um, none of us want to quench the Holy Spirit. And so we should not treat prophecy with contempt. We need to test it. We need to hold on to the good. And we need to reject what, what is bad. Um, and now next week, we're going to look at these other verses, but I just have to finish with them because they put into context Paul's aim here. Um, what, what is it ultimately that God is wanting to do? And verse 23 and 24 sum this up beautifully. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. I don't want you to be fearful of this area of prophecy. I want you to understand that it's a gift from God. It's a good gift. Yes, there are counterfeits, but this is a gift from God meant for your good. And you can trust God 
to use this to sanctify you and cleanse you and build you up and help you run the race well. In all of these things, do not be fearful. Remember this. God is with you. He's in you and he's for you. Remember that. God is with you. He's in you and he's for you. So abide in him. Soak in him and he'll lead you in this area. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning.